And we want to turn our eyes to Jesus because he is the one who came to seek and save the lost. He came to lay down his life so he could fill us with his life when we believe in him. So we want to center our lives on his name and all that he has done. So if you could join us in worship this morning.
keep it going.
were still sinners, you died for us. When we were powerless to save ourselves, you came and sought us out. We are just so thankful that you are so good and that your love is so great that you'd be willing to lay down your glory, to have a relationship with us, to know us, so that we can have life forever with you. We pray that you would fill us up with that life, that you would open our eyes to see how good you really are. We just thank you for all this. In your name, amen. Yes, you can sit down. This week and last week are linked. Uh, normally, we don't do that sort of thing. We understand people have a hard time attending on a regular basis, and so we'll link the weekends kind of generally, but they're heavily linked. And the reason we did that is the section of Scripture that I asked you to consider, um, it was there for people to process they want, um, the story was supposed to sit in their gut, and I couldn't think of any other way to do that except to let it sit in your gut. So we, we kind of went halfway through. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to bring you up to speed. If you missed last week, I'm going to leave out a lot of stuff. So um, it would probably be helpful for you to get online and to uh, get up to speed by listening to last week, but here, here it is. We're in a section of scripture in Luke chapter 10 where a teacher of the law who's been studying the Torah for his whole lifetime and teaching it since he was age 30, asked Jesus a question. The question is, how can I have harmony with God here and now and forever? I want to know how I can have... Now, he teaches on this. He's been thinking about this his lifetime. So he's asking this question, and Luke, who's writing down, watching this kind of unfold and records this for us, says, ah, he didn't ask this question out of a genuine heart. He was trying to set a trap for Jesus. He, he, just, he had other ideas in mind. And Jesus turns around and says to this teacher of the law, listen, what do you think? You're an expert. What do you think the Torah teaches? And the guy gives an answer. And Jesus says, that's perfect. That's exactly right. You nailed it. The problem was the the perfect answer was an impossible answer because his answer was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And the Jews believed that you couldn't do that 100% all the time and get that right. And so they knew this was a problem, except there was a second part to this command, love your neighbor as yourself. And they reasoned, I could do that if I can figure out who my neighbor is, I'll love them, and that will prove that I have a love for God. And so it, it brings up the second question that the teacher of the law asked Jesus. So he goes, okay, then who is my neighbor? Again, he has an answer to this question. It's such an important question for their culture. He had an answer. In his area where he grew up, there was a guy named Shammai. And Shammai taught that if you wanted to love your neighbor, your neighbor was a Jew who was religiously observant. He, he tried to follow after the law. And he said, if you love this narrow group of people, you're good with God. You're set. But in asking the question, who's my neighbor, he was offering Jesus an entry into a hotly debated topic because at that time, there were seven different groups who had said, this is who your neighbor is. 
Two on the extremes that had most of the followers, but there were others in between that varied on this. Shammai was one of the extremes. On the other extreme was a guy named Hillel, which came from the Galilee area. Jesus would have been exposed to him. And Hillel taught that your neighbor was everybody, including your enemy, except for a narrow group. So Shammai said, love this narrow group and you're good. Hillel said, Love everybody else except this narrow group, and you're good. And the problem is, Jesus has now been asked to define who his neighbor is. And if he picks a side one way or the other, he's about to have a whole group of people stop listening to him and write him off. So instead, Jesus decides to tell a story to answer the last question. And he tells a story about how a guy was walking on a road and he was mugged and stripped and left for dead. And along comes a priest and the priest sees him, crosses to the other side of the road and keeps going. And we've read that and we've thought, priest is a hypocrite. What a terrible person. That is not how their culture thought. Their culture saw what this priest did and thought, this guy is attempting to follow the law. He's attempting to stay away from somebody who could be dead. He had a mandate to be holy because of what he did in the temple. He had, he had this, these religious observances. He was busy. He was a busy, important man. They would have understood what he was doing. And it was there that we stopped. That's the end of last week. Now, admittedly, there was a whole lot more going on uh, last week than that, but you're up to speed And where we're at in the story is there's a guy on the road. He's been stripped. He's been beaten so that he's unconscious, which means you can't talk to him. You can't find out if he's actually alive or dead, which is risky in a Jewish culture. You touch a dead person, you're ritually unclean. You have a lot of stuff that you have to do. He has no clothes, which means you can't identify if he's in your neighbor group because everybody was identifying who their neighbor was so that they could love that person so that they could be good with God. But you couldn't tell if you were following the rules or not because you couldn't identify who this man was. And so Jesus is telling this story and we're at a part in the story where people have just seen somebody walk by him and they're starting to wonder when the hero's gonna show up. When the person that maybe they could identify with might come into the store, you know the kind of person we're talking about, right? They write songs about that kind of person. Something that might sound a little like this.
Any good story, any good movie that you've seen has a moment in it where somebody chooses to do the right thing, probably at a cost to themselves, and there's something in us that just cheers that. It, we cheer that because we like to identify with the heroes in the story. A good movie, a good story, a good song like this, when you hear, oh, you, you're somebody that you can count on, we want to be that person. The, the worst possible thing we want is we want to identify ourselves as somebody who could be needing that, right? We, we want to be the hero of the story. And it was no different in Jesus' time. He is telling a story. And he's about to offer up somebody that they can identify with. See, at first, they've been introduced to the priest. And they would have understood the priest. They would have understood his choices but they would not have identified with him very deeply. Uh, the, the next person who enters our story, we feel like, is kind of a throwaway. Why is he there? What's the whole point of it? But I don't think he's a throwaway. I think he's an integral part of this, and it has to do with identity. In verse 32, right after the, pre <laughs> excuse me, the priest gets done walking around him, in verse 32 it says this, so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, 
pass by on the other side. Now listen, priests worked in the temple, Levite worked in the temple. Priests came from the line of Aaron, Levites came from the line of Aaron. Priests had um, a lot of beliefs that were very similar to the Levites. And you ask yourself, why is the Levite in the story? Right? We've already had one of those. We get it. But there are some differences, stark differences between the priest and the Levite that would have made him important in this story. See, in the temple, the priest was responsible for care of some sacred areas and some sacred things. He approached them, he cared for them, touched them at times. Not the Levite. At best, the Levite's role could be described this way. He was a support role that was involved in uh, janitorial type stuff and maintenance type stuff. He did not have a mandate to have a sense of holiness that the priest did because his role was a little bit different. The priest also, because there weren't as many of them, they split some of the offering that came into the temple as their support, and they tended to be wealthier. But the Levites, because there were more of them, split an amount, and they tended to be poor. What you were finding here was the Levite was more like a common guy on the street. He, he, he was somebody that people could have identified with. In fact, the teacher of the law, most likely a Levite who wasn't wealthy, was just a common guy. And all of this kind of makes you wonder. I, I made me wonder as I read this. I wondered if the Levite saw the priest from a distance go around this guy and then kind of copied him. We don't know that for sure. They weren't in the same class. They would not have traveled together. And so that's a possibility, but the scriptures never say that. So let's not, let's not suggest that that's the thing that's going on here. What we do know is the outcome's the same. But I think we have to be careful because I think the motives were really different. The motives of the priest were I've got to remain holy, like I've got to follow all these rules. But the common guy, if he, if he would have helped that, that person on the side of the road and that person ended up being dead and he would have had to go up and buy that red heifer and go through the ritual cleansing process, it would have cost him dearly. He didn't have the means to do this. The priest had the means to help this guy. He didn't have the means to help this guy, and I think he probably considered all the stuff a normal person can't do, right? I, I don't have the money for this. I don't think I have the time for this. If, if the priest didn't do it, why should I do it? Like you have all of this reasoning. I'm just a normal person. I can't make that big of a difference. I can't help this person as much as somebody else could. So I'm just going to kind of wait and let somebody else come along and do this. And he chooses the same thing. He falls back on the religious reasoning. I'm going to stay clean. If I get too close to him, I'll be unclean. So I'm going to protect myself from that and I'm going to cross on the other side. There's... There's kind of like um, a weird myth in our culture. Uh, it, I think it comes from a lot of the movies and the stories that we watch. If you, if you watch a really good villain in a show, a really good villain is somebody who has power and wealth and does evil things to keep more power and more wealth. We hate those people, right? We're like, oh, I hope they go down. 
And on the other side of that, almost always in these kind of movies, is somebody who's on the down and outs. They're like a loser, but their heart's so much better. It's, you, see, you see it in chick flicks, too. Um, you know, she starts dating this guy who's got his life together and he's wealthy and he's a little arrogant and all that sort of thing. I can tell after five minutes who she's going to end up with. I don't know why we watch the rest of it, right? But it's like, oh, it's the story. I'm like, this is killing me, right? Because the down and out guy who's just scraping by, the assumption is his heart's awesome. Here's, Here's the truth. People, you and I, it doesn't matter what class you end up in, we wrestle with the same stuff. The priest and the Levite wrestled with the same stuff. They might've, it might have come at it from a different vantage point, but they wrestled with whether I should actually do this or not, what it would cost me if I did this, what it would do with my time. They, they both wrestled in different ways. And their status did not determine the outcome as it so rarely does. They both chose to cross on the other side. Oddly enough, Jesus gave somebody in this story that most of the people listening would have identified with right there in the spot. They understood the Levite. They understood the struggles of his life. They got it. Now, there was probably some people still holding out hope that they would identify with a hero. Surely there's a hero about to come. Surely I can identify with him. I bet you um, part of the group who was kind of celebrating this, crossing their fingers going, oh, man, I think it might be us, is both the priest and the Levite would have bought into Shammai's teaching there's this little narrow group that you have to love. If you, if you just love them, you're good. And Hillel, they're like, it's a much broader group, and they had to be going, oh, he's going to choose a Hillel guy. Get ready for the victory dance, right? They're like, let's throw out the banner. We're going to win this thing. It had to be so exciting. Until Jesus gets to verse 33, and he says this. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, if you don't have a knot in your stomach right now, you do not understand what just happened to the people who were listening at the time. They hated Samaritans. They were considered half-breeds who were treasonous. They they couldn't stand them. And if you're wondering if Jesus ever really takes a stand on a position of who he agrees with, he just did. Because here's the thing. I told you Hillel said, you have to love everybody, including your enemy, except for this narrow group. You know who the narrow group was? Samaritans. You have to love them. He couldn't, he couldn't suggest that to people because everybody hated them. They were the worst possible people that you could think of. And all of a sudden, Jesus names them as the hero of the story. I've tried to think of a modern telling 
that would sit in your gut the same way as what would have happened to them. And I, I wrestled through a lot of different things. And then I thought of one and I was like, oh, that's too far. And then I was like, oh, that's perfect, right? That's perfect. That's exactly what Jesus was trying to do. So let me reread this in a way that might sit in your gut just a little bit different. Verse 32. But a member of Al-Qaeda, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. That uncomfortable feeling that you have, that's how the Jews felt. I, I mean, they had to be spinning out of control when Jesus named the Samaritan. They would have been like, wait, what? Are you telling me he's the hero in this? Wait, aren't we talking about who's a good neighbor? Do I have the wrong categories of neighbor? Wait, I thought we were talking about how to love God with everything that you are all the time. And he's named him? What is happening here? I'm telling you, they would have freaked out. Which is the point. Jesus just named a hero that nobody could identify with. And it gets worse. Verse 34. He... The Samaritan went to the guy on the ground, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which is two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra payment you may have. Now when we read this, we're caught up in all the outrageousness of the extreme giving that the Samaritan just did. And, and this not, would, would not have been lost on a Jewish crowd, but they're thinking something else too. They're thinking, if the guy on the ground was Jewish and a Samaritan just helped him, that guy is unclean. You understand that's how they process this stuff. Dude, you're now unclean. But if you would have asked this guy, did he care? Because now his wounds had been tended to. Did he care if it was a Samaritan or not? He did not. Which is the point of the story. Jesus is introducing us into some things that are shaping the way we think about how you live. And two of, those, two of those things would have been disturbing. One, it matters more about the heart of that person than any category that you had in mind. What's going on inside you when you made the decision to walk by this person or to help this person? That's what God cares about. All the other categories that were there, all the other things that they debated didn't care. But you know, the other thing that would have been fascinating, I think, is that he just named a hero that they couldn't have or wouldn't want him to identify with, but they still would have appreciated and valued what he chose to do because love is infectious. 
has this way of drawing you in, even when it's unexpected, and it makes you wonder what in the world is going on here. It's kind of funny. I was talking to the staff about where we were going with this a little bit, and, uh, and Michelle was like, you know, we, we actually run into that in the DR. We had an experience like that, and we even filmed it at the time because we thought it was kind of weird. And I was like, well, tell me about it. And she kind of explained what they experienced. I was like, yeah, I want to see that. So I want, I want you to see what they experienced down in the DR um, because they, they shot it. They didn't know we were going to do this series and we're looking for this kind of bent. They just shot this because they thought it was interesting. So check this out. My name is Carlos Concepcion. I'm a missionary to the Dominican Republic, and we're here in La Vega uh, doing an interview with Noel. Why is he such a good neighbor to us? Pasa lo siguiente, que uno mismo, por ejemplo, ustedes son cristianos. El cristiano siempre uno lo ve como que no es una persona de malo que hacer. Entonces, que uno trate el cristiano al igual que cualquier otro que no sea cristiano, pero uno a cada quien le da su mérito que se merece. Entonces, como a mí me tratan, así yo trato a aquella persona. He says over there that uh, he treats uh, as, as you are treated, you know, he treats other people. So, he sees the Christians a, a little bit different than the other people. So, he, he treats them, you know, differently, you know, because they act differently. And they act with love, with care. So he, even though he don't feel like he need to treat everybody unequal, but he share the same love. But with Christians, he have more trust in because they believe in God, they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's been a good neighbor, a good example, a good citizen of the community, and a person that is a very helpful person. Uh, he's allowed us to use his, um, his wheelbarrow, his, the wood for the construction. Hey, he also providing for his house so that we can have lunch as well. So he's been uh, treating us um, eh, eh, with kindness and uh, in, in a very loving way. Even though he don't attend to our church over there, but he said one day he will go. And we can't wait for that day to come that he get to, to go to our church and also give his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Letting him use all kinds of stuff was not involved with the church at all. This is somebody that Jesus could say, hey, this is the person who stopped by and helped you. He's not involved. He's not engaged anywhere. But this is what God was caring about. Something was going on with his heart. And he talked about, in this case, the love was infectious for him. He saw something else, and it kind of drew him in and made him want to choose to live in a different kind of way. This is the story that Jesus is telling and he gets to the end of this, and he looks at the expert in the law, and he decides to ask him a question back. And in verse 36, he says, which of these three men, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He didn't ask him who was the most righteous, who followed our rules precisely. He didn't ask them those kinds of questions. What he wanted to know was from the perspective of this man who had been beaten and wounded, who would he consider the neighbor in the story? Now, 
this could feel like a trap. I mean, the guy started with a trap, and it might feel like that back. I don't think that's what Jesus was doing. But you understand, the Levite's being put in a difficult spot here. Because if he doesn't say the Levite and priest, he's about to reject everything that he's taught through his whole life and the whole way his whole group of friends live. The people he associates with, works with. He's about to reject all of that. But if he says the Samaritan, he knows that's true. And, and if he chooses not to say that, people are going to go, are you insane? It's obvious. It's obvious that love was operating here and that this guy operated with love. And so he, whether he felt backed into a corner, I don't know. I think Jesus just wanted the truth. What do you think the truth is? Expert in the law? And in verse 37, the expert responds and he says this way, the one who had mercy on him. That was his neighbor. And Jesus responds right after that, go and do likewise. Go and do what likewise? How about ditch all the rules that you use? How about reevaluate the categories of people that you think need to be cared for or not? How about understanding that your heart may be the most important thing that I care about and not everything else that you have going for yourself right now? See, Jesus is challenging a whole way of life for these guys. And you want to know what's really sobering? He did it by choosing a hero they couldn't identify with. Because what he wanted them to do was to understand that more often than not, the person in the story that we would identify with was the Levite and the priest, not this outcast person. I mean, we want to be the hero. We want to do that. But I, I told you a story last week of somebody who came into the office and was asking me stuff, and I was wrestling with the guilt of whether I did the right thing or not. That's all about, I just, just tell me the boundaries, just tell me the categories so that I can avoid some guilt, except God doesn't use guilt, doesn't use that tool. And that's about finding our way through this hard stuff with categories and lines, making it as easy as possible. And God's basically used Jesus to tell a story that said, you know what I ultimately care about? I don't care about your lines. I don't care about your categories. I don't care about you making it easy. What I want is for your heart to be so in tune with me that you're free to act. Does that mean that I have to act on everything that comes across my plate? No. No. And we're going to talk about that next week. Where are, the, where are there some helpful things out of this whole section of Scripture to help us figure out how to live in a different kind of way because that's what Jesus is suggesting here. But to get to that, he told a story that people would have walked away with and it would have sat in their gut and it would have been a problem. And I'm hoping that over the next week, that happens for you. Aren't I a nice guy? But, but you understand, this, is, this was the point of the story is that Jesus wants to look at you and say, listen, I want to talk to you, challenge you, make you think about 
the way that you choose to live out your life. And sometimes the only way to do that is to help you understand you're not the hero in the story. And if you could be honest with where you wrestle with this stuff, then I can talk to you about your heart in a meaningful way. And that's what we're going to do next week. I hope you'll come back. Um, it'll be the third installment. They're all highly linked together. And we're going to talk about some stuff that this, in this story that Jesus just told that challenges the way we live that I think was meant to do that for us right here and now. But in the meantime, I hope you'll process. Who do you identify with? Who do you identify with in that story? Do you feel like the common guy who feels like I really couldn't do much of a, make much of a difference if I tried? I don't have the means, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy. Do you identify with a priest? I, I just don't want to get dirty. I don't want, I, I've got to be holy. What is it that holds you back? And if you can bring that back next week, I think God can step into that with a sense of love and readjust the way you think. That's what I'm hoping. So let me pray with you real quick. Jesus, you're a master storyteller. And you told a story that's not um, quite normal. We, we, we like to identify with a hero and feel good at the end. And this story was meant to really challenge us. The heroes of the day would have wrestled with this, and I, and I hope that we will too. That ultimately what you want to see happen is for us to find a different way to live that lines up more with your values and your kingdom. So I ask that you would help us process this and that you would uh, take this to a place in our life that could really help us change. Uh, we ask for that in Jesus' name, amen. If we could have you stand, we want you to, to take this song that we're about to sing and respond to God's great love that he sought us out and that for us to be able to love as he has loved us, that we, we need to give our hearts to him. We need to just let him do his work through us.
out today. We just thank you so much for coming. And just know that Jesus loves you and he is here for you and he wants to fill you up. So we hope you have a great week and see you next Sunday.